I'm so popular. Last week on the show, we talked about Utada Hikaru's bad mode. We are reconciling with deep heartbreak, lots of emotions, and this week we're going to continue doing that with a discussion on the first two albums by Australian legend Kylie Minogue, those being Kylie and Enjoy Yourself. And tonight we have an extraordinarily, unbelievably special guest, my favorite living drag queen. Who are you? Oh, I'm I'm Belgium Solanas. Hi, Belgium oh, Solanas. Hello. What are, you, what are you doing? Just lying in bed. Nothing, nothing too fancy. Amazing. And why are we friends? Um. Well, I think we're both weirdos, and we're both <laughs> we're both trying to like struggle along through the gutter of being a drag queen. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. The gutter. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, I think we're both weirdos within that world, and I think that's part of the connection. I think so, too. We were talking a little bit about this on the paid episode, but I really respect and um, model a lot of my drag after you, because up until I had seen you perform and gotten to know you a little better, I barely mm. realized what kind of artistic limits people could actually push with their performances, and... You're quite famous for long-form, multimedia, extremely obscure music performances, <laughs> everything from throbbing mm. gristle to God knows what. And <laughs> you truly have so much uh, confidence and artistic integrity on stage. I, Anyone who's in Japan better work their fucking ass off to get to a Belgium show. And I really mean it. Oh, that's so nice. I appreciate that so much. Oh, but you know That's it's true. Really lovely. <laughs> well, I don't anymore. I think I did for a while, and now I, I, I really don't know anymore. But but I, I like to think so, yes. <laughs> so, so I'm happy to hear that. Mm. I almost cried at one of your performances once. It was um for our friends Neil and Duncan for their, what, 30-year anniversary party? Mm-hmm. And you did this fabulous number um, in which you were throwing a bouquet of flowers and flowers and lights. And it was, you reach a lot of like extremities of darkness, very like fire walk with me in your show times. But no matter what you mm. do, there's always some beautiful element of hope and catharsis and um, like the excitement of being alive. And I caught the bouquet like like Muriel and Muriel's wedding. <laughs> and so that was one of the most special moments I've ever had at a drag show. Oh, that's so good. I loved your show that day. That that was a deeper and deeper one, right? That was right. I did deeper and deeper. That was so good. I I've really done that a few that. times since then because um I did I thought it would I thought it was actually kind of pedestrian to like um stimulate fellatio on a banana, but it turns out people are really riveted by that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, like, very sort of, like, I don't know. It reminded me of, like, really classic things I'd seen in the 90s, but sort of there was also this was a weird sort of 60s 
Warhol thing with it, like, and the look was so good. I, I really, really love that show. Thank you very much. Um, I famously almost ruined one of your numbers because <laughs> I, um, before going, before you went on, I performed and I did a Bjork song, Bachelorette, which I imitated suicide on stage with fake blood and it took them mm-hmm. 15 minutes to mop up everything they could and it was still <laughs> slippery after sorry that's okay yeah i was i was so terrified i was like fuck oh this only, is gonna be the moment i've only I die. Had my ankle in yeah totally like i've done it twice in platform shoes um like sort of twisted my ankle to the point where i was like oh i'm about to fucking break my ankle for the rest of my life but um uh like when I stepped out, that was the first thing that happened. It wasn't like super slippery or anything, but I was like, oh my God. Like, I just sort of stood there. Like, I, but it, no, it was fine. It was actually really fine. You did Throb and Gristle that night, didn't you? Yeah, I did Throb and Gristle. I did um, Hot on the Heels of Love. I think I can say with confidence that you are the only drag queen in Japan who's ever done that number publicly. Maybe. I'd like to think so. And I had a. That was when I had the phone, like the tooth. I made a phone out of like a dental, like what would you, what do you call it? Like a foot, like a like a replica of pe- of gums and teeth, like a massive size replica, and I made mm-hmm. it into like a like a, a phone, which I, I don't know. I quite like that. And you had the gasoline can. Yeah, the guy was drinking from the like I was, sort of like wanking off the the spout of the gasoline can and drinking it. <laughs> And then, you know, that was the funniest thing because I had that gasoline can. It was like, you know, it was pantomime. It was, it was a show. And then afterwards, that was the one question everyone kept asking me. It was like, what was in the gasoline can? Were you really drinking petrol? I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah, I was. And that's why I didn't show it to you. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah one, drink- <laughs> one time I drank like two whole bottles of Jose Cuervo on stage and Obviously, it wasn't fucking Jose Cuervo. It was like Ocha, but like people were like, "Wow, you can drink a lot." I'm like, "Yeah, I can." Yeah, yeah, I'm an artist. <laughs> That's what I do. Yeah. Now you are yeah. a mainstay in Japanese drag culture. You've been performing for what twenty years? Not that long, like fourteen, I think. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, a while, a fair while. Um, I really am fascinated by your experience in the country, and you've been all mm-hmm. over kind of the Kansai and the Chubu region where I started my drag mm-hmm. career as well. Um, it's a broad question, but you know people mm. like these kind of broad questions. Like, but what has been you know your takeaway and experience from this decade and a half of experimental drag performance in the best country on earth? <laughs> I mean, it's been, honestly, it's been amazing. Like, I think I'm really, really lucky because I think the stuff that I do um, touches a lot of different groups of, like, communities. Like, I have a lot of friends in the sort of indie music scene and a lot of art friends and a lot of drag friends, a lot of queer friends and a lot of people that have never seen drag before that were just sort of around at the right time. Um, And I think for me, that's been the biggest thing is it's really given me a a family like a sense of of belonging here and a real anchor into the into all sorts of stuff that I never would have had any sort of way into otherwise like I think that's the thing it's been a really good thing that I can say to people like okay this is part of what I because I do lots I do photography and Mm -hmm. you know make movies and all that sort of stuff but that's been a real grounding thing of like 
that gets people's interest and then they see the other stuff and then it leads to this other stuff. So, um, but it's been, you know, it's been a real, especially the last, say, I don't know, maybe five, six years, it's been a real learning curve and a real mental shift of what, how drag, it's just changed so much. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, there was no, you know, we never had really a choice of where to perform or, or there was no sort of, competition really because no one else was doing it for the longest time and then um and then a lot of people would do it for like six months and then you'd never see them again or they you know they would move to tokyo obviously or (laughs) um you know that that's just sort of what happened but then um i think now it's much more of a probably a commercial prospect as well because we never got paid for years and years really like yeah yeah so that it's, it's just changed a lot um, and I think also what people expect from drag, like I think people are much, much more aware of what drag is supposed to be now. Like I think when, when we started, we were lucky in that sort of immediately people got that we were just doing something completely different. And, and physically, I think we dressed and looked so different than typical dra- That's why we did it, because we were so bored of what we saw in clubs here. Um, so I think... There's a little bit more of a, I don't know, like it feels more of a, a battle sometimes almost of like trying to, trying to get people to see past what they think you should have done or what they, what they wanted you to do. But, but it's also really rewarding, I think, because it, it, I, I feel like I do often get a really great reaction where it, but it's, it's a great, it takes time, I think, with my shows and my, what I do, like, mm-hmm. um, I, I find that I, I do a lot of things that are really quite vulnerable and then it takes a good couple of minutes of the show for people to work out sort of what catch up, I guess, with what's happening on the stage. Like, um, and that's kind of actually really scary to do sometimes. It is. But it, mm, yeah. As you know, yeah. Like it's, it's, it's a strange way to do, like it's a, it's a strange sort of self punishment in a way. <laughs> like cause it, it's easy to do, you know, cutesy, like, because I've done both. I, I still do both. Like, um, and sometimes you can only do the other one. Like, you can only mentally do, you know, something that you know that at least it's going to, have, you know, people will be entertained by it at the very least. Because um, that's all you're capable of mentally at that point. Um, but I feel like the other shows are so much more rewarding generally in, in terms of what you get back. Even if it's just one or two people that come up afterwards and tell you, you know, this, this meant this to me or whatever, or you, I get a message the next day or something. It always means so much to me. Like that, that means now, so like, much more to mm. me too. Like I, I have never been able to talk about this like on air before, but it's like, we really do sit in this polite drag society of like twirling around like a little short heel, doing your kicks, like outfit reveals, top 40 pop song. And mm-hmm. even for me, like, when I debuted at Metro, like, um, I guess, like, four and a half years ago now, like, when mm. I started, you know, I was always a little bit, like, looking for shock value and, like, trying to express myself in, like, some uh, kind of, like, extreme form. And it is a painful, like, it's it's a painful uphill battle because, you know, you have to, like, work to get people on your side and to buy into what you're doing and not just be, like opposed to it especially because people have so much literacy in drag now but Mm. 
I mean, for 14 years, you have been doing exactly what you want to do. And it's very inspirational mm. because we all have to put the cunty boots hat on like once in a while. Like when I do like mm-hmm. Utada night or if I'm like hosting drag mania or something like that, like I know I have to do something a little like, you know, accessible and easy mm-hmm. and recognizable, but there's nothing better than when you do something specifically for you and something you want to say. And then it mm-hmm. even resonates with one person. That's true magic. Yeah, it is. It is. And that's, I mean, that's all really, that's all I ask for. Like, that's all I hope for, really, is it just if someone thinks it's cool or if someone, you know, has never seen that sort of thing on a stage before, like, that's a real gift. And that that sort of keeps me fueled for the next thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's been like, you know, it's been a really, it's just so weird to think that I had because I, I, I think I'd been here a decade before I started doing it. Almost a decade. And, um, you know, I was always doing stuff during that period, like art and stuff like that. But I, di- I never felt that it was, I had any right to sort of call myself an artist or share it with people or, you know, it just was a thing that I always did. Um, and then, like, so I met, Sasha, who was part of Kiss Kiss, like we started Kiss Kiss Bang Bang together, and Sasha was like a, like a, you know, a studied artist, and um, and Sasha was the first one that was sort of like, no, you're an artist. Like, why wouldn't you call yourself an artist? You you do more stuff than a lot of people that, you know, professionally call themselves artists. Like, you've been consistently doing this all this time. Oh, I think you might have uh, hit the mic mute button, maybe. So, oh, can you can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you now. Yay! Okay, sorry, sorry. Where did it cut off? Sorry. Um, you were talking about uh, like Sasha telling you that you're an artist. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, so I think I think once I got that permission to 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 sort of look at myself in that way and describe myself in that way um sort of my world completely changed and how i how i felt in the world and how i like you know how i carry myself i think also sort of changed Mm -hmm. like i i you know i still have to exist in the you know i have to pay my bills and the rent and i have to work and all that sort of stuff but i feel like there's so much opportunity to do sort of just express myself in any way I want to. And I I think that's so, I feel so blessed that I have that, like regardless of what the size of the audience or whatever is like, I feel blessed too, honestly, like, Mm. you know, I've already said this a few times, but I really can't understate just how like, not, not to say like permission, but it feels like you broke ground with, like the way you did drag here no one does it like you and because you like unapologetically perform like for yourself and say what you want to say like that gives me confidence to do it as well and like uh recently i did a number i did a scene from anti-porno where um she's like talking about like the uh, state of society in tokyo and how much like uh japanese men are shit and how it's like the end of the world here and she throws her Mm. face into a birthday cake and it is, like, something I've been thinking about, like, for five years, probably, and always wanted to do. Wow. And, like, not until, like, mm. seeing you perform did I ever have the idea to actually, like, get the fucking cake on stage and throw my head into it. So. 
That's amazing. Yeah, I saw. I, I haven't seen the video. I've seen photos of that performance, but I haven't seen the video. Is there a video of it? Yeah, there is. Um, we're. I'm, I'm apparently going to be managing my drag house's video presence now, so you will definitely be seeing uh, footage of that sometime soon. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, it's my yeah, favorite I show I think that. I've ever done because it really scared the shit out of people. Oh wow, <laughs> that's so good. The only other time I've gotten that big of a reaction is when I did um, the pulling chains out of my pussy number that really upset some Brazilian girls in the front row of Metro. Oh, did it? <laughs> yeah, there, there's like two of them in the in the front row of the audience and like the clearest video I have of it who like look disgusted and then one walks away. Oh, <laughs> And I was like, oh, thank goodness. If I can still generate disgust in the year 2023, I must have reached some truly uncanny level. Yeah. <laughs> You've done something right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, also, I did want to mention this. Mm. Your visual mm. presence, like you said, uh, your photography and your general aesthetic sensibility is really fascinating. And I encourage everyone to take a long gander at your Instagram. It's, I believe, let me read it correctly. It's um, KKBW. Did I get that right? KKBB. KKBB. Okay, like kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Okay, mm. it's KKBB Collective. Um spelled out and you really get like this uh digital camera like nightmare david lynch like imagery so right and all of the best <laughs> photos me ever taken have been ones with you of us standing around in garbage and kabuki show <laughs> i love those the, the, those photos of us from that lot when we went to um pearl's like where was that what was that place oh called? yeah it was a called it was a deca bar deca bar when we went there like I love that whole series of photos we got there. Like, it's so good. Like, <laughs> they're amazing. Little blonde monsters, yeah. Your little blonde but see, monsters. That's the thing for me. That that's the important, like, part of the whole reason I do drag, and part of the importance of it is that those photos afterward. Like, that's at least fifty percent of it for me. Like, <laughs> absolutely. Like, if I if I don't get them, I feel really upset. Like, me too. And like, people like don't they don't know how to take photos of drag queens. Like, they don't understand. Yeah. Like. I want to be sexy, but, like, a little, like, monstrous and, like, 90s, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, like, anti-Warhol, like, disaster, like, post-Warhol death, like, yeah. uh, like, crying mascara, like, Laura Palmer. Like, I want all of that. No one knows how to take photos of me, but you got it immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're birds of a filthy feather, perhaps. Absolutely. <laughs> something. Oh my god! And you, that's the thing. I the other thing I hate is when people try like when I when we're doing drag and then they say, "Oh, can I take a photo?" and they don't turn on the flash. I'm like, "No, you need." It's, Where's the fucking flash? You need the flash. Like I know you get natural light stuff and all that sort of stuff. Because I do mostly like all of my regular photographies with film, so I very rarely use a flash with that unless I'm using like a little like a point and shoot thing. But um. But like no, you 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 absolutely unless we're standing on the stage, you have to use flash because we're gonna look hideous. Like you're just gonna look so wrong if you don't use. Flash. Yeah, I'm like I'm like a tall, bulky German monster. Like please turn the flash <laughs> on. <laughs> Otherwise, like people on like 4chan and like other internet forums that will not be named will start calling me heinous things. Um, I get called the Geico caveman. <laughs> <gasps> my god you know one time i accidentally put um because this is like years ago on reddit i was part of some drag com like whatever the drag community at the time was on reddit and i put a photo of me sitting it was at a, one of the metro nights and i was sitting on a pile of 
garbage in the like I look really beautiful. I have this new wigs by vanity, that blonde wigs by vanity, and like it, the mesh dress, and um, I'm sitting on the pile of garbage. It's just, it's just like a really beautiful photo, but I accidentally put it on um, what is it, Imgur, I M G U R, whatever oh, that yeah, is. Yeah, like, and then they will eat you up. <laughs> yes, because I didn't know it was public. I just thought it was like a, a sharing it's a thing. Hosting thing. Yeah, the I same the thing has happened yeah. to me. <laughs> It was horrible. There was like 6,000 comments or something saying like, oh, her mother must be... They all thought I was an actual biological woman. They were like, oh, her mother must be proud. Oh, like this one has trauma from her father and all this sort of stuff. Well, they they thought you were biological. When I got a photo put up on Imgur without understanding what was going to happen to me, like, this fucking tranny. I was like, oh, no. Oh, stop. (laughs) I do, Vicious. Mm-hmm. I do like a little bit of the monstrosity, and I know you do too, and that's why we take oh, good totally. photos of each other. <laughs> yes. Well, you need, that's the thing, you need that balance. Like, you need, that's something I really worked out sort of re- reasonably early on, where I felt like you needed the balance of, like, you can sit on a, on a pile of rubbish, which is one of my favorite things to do, but you need to look beautiful doing it. Otherwise, it's just pointless. Like, if you look like, if you're really disgusting and gross and goblin-like and you're sitting on a pile of rubbish, that's not really a great photo. But but if you're really goblin-like and then you go inside, like, Chanel, that's an amazing That's amazing. Photo. You need that <laughs> yes. juxtaposition, right? You, yeah, you, you can't need the contrast. Have... Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's my theory, at least, yeah. No, you got it right. Um, and it's funny because uh, you have two of the most repulsive monsters in Japan here to talk about. Um, one of the prettiest and most simple little girls of all time today. <laughs> We're talking about Kylie Minogue. Um, mm-hmm. I hated Kylie Minogue up until this year. And it's not my fault. I blame my friend David, who uh, <laughs> me and him are very big Madonna fans. And mm-hmm. uh, we're really chomping at the bit to shame other <laughs> female <laughs> pop stars um so we, we used to sign off the show we did together uh we would say fuck you share like fuck you no <laughs> and i'm i'm learning to grow past that and to accept that i can love madonna and other people at the same time but um i was told was, I, yeah go ahead go ahead I, I was just gonna say what era were you, was it can't get you out of my head that you first knew of kylie because i'm always interested in that when people outside of Australia knew who she was or knew what yeah you know, and also generationally it's a different generation so was well, I'm that a nasty the- cocksucker so I've like known about her for probably since I was like 16 and of course like the song I know is the song that gets blasted at every gay club across the world even if people don't know who she is and that would be can't get you out of my head but um okay uh, uh. it was at Metro that my Kylie palette got lightly expanded because um, anyone who goes to Metro knows that um, <laughs> one of the DJs there does the same set every time. <laughs> and he has for like five years. Um, and he had a, a, a remix of all the lovers that he would play. Do you know the one I'm talking okay. about? Yes, I, I certainly do. Yes. And so that, did, sure that didn't do. change my mind. <laughs> no, and I don't blame you. But my friend Jack um, on the Perfume Nationalist, he suggested to me that I listened to her first two albums because he said that I would like them because I'm so into J-pop. And he said that they're Mm -hmm. basically Japanese pop albums, but in Australia and that Kylie was like a weird Madonna spider baby. 
and uh, mm-hmm. the music is like awkward malfunctioning like post 80s <laughs> nightmare and that i would eat it up and surprise surprise he was exactly right so i fell in love with her very deeply um earlier this year because of those two albums and then lo mm. and behold for the first time in history she kind of made it big in the states right yeah with padam padam <laughs> Which is a good Jesus, song. That song. It yeah, was, it's, it's a good song. It's I really like song. that song. I like There's tension something really a lot. sinister about the it, song. Yeah, I yeah. love tension. I love the video for tension so much. Me too. So I was really impressed because um, the thing about Kylie Minogue is that she is deeply generic and has been her whole career, and she's very earnest, um, and mm. she does not work very hard to present an artistically complicated narrative of herself. She makes really great pop singles and when mm-hmm. these singles started coming out for her new album it felt right that she was getting recognition and i do think that tension is like one of the best pop songs this year oh it's a great song it sounds like robin it's very robin yeah a lot of the songs on the, the, the album i really love but a, a lot of it's robin there's like a i can't think of what it's called like something hot I don't know, you just two hearts or something like that. But that it's it's completely Robin. It's it's a hundred percent. Yeah, because it's like, like, it it's like sad be. on the dance floor. It's like mm. big, huge, sexy emotions that are somehow rendered in a melancholic hue. Yes. Which like, is I one listen of my favorite to tension things. and I feel mm. sad. <laughs> tension, yeah. It definitely has that aspect to it, I think. That the song, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that's a really, I think that's a really rare thing to get. Like, I think that's that balance of like, um, even like, what's another example of that? Like, it's kind of the opposite, but even like hyper ballad is, there's a real. Wait, can you hear me? I can. Okay, sorry. I think my my, um, AirPod things (laughs) ran out of battery. Um. No, but there's a real sort of melancholia to that, but there's also like this real incredible high of like the, you know, the joy of love and the joy of life and stuff. And even in the chord structure and stuff. So like, I think that's such a hard thing to get right. Totally. But when it is right, it's just perfect. Like it's so, so good. Yeah. Cause a lot of times you can feel people reaching for it and they don't quite touch it, but songs like tension do that, do that for me. And then also you're right that Padam Padam feels sinister mm. and menacing. Mm. It feels like poppers. Like, it feels like yucky bathhouse poppers, like stinky yeah. robe. Like, something is is wrong in a gay way about that song, and it makes sense that it became such a big deal for homosexuals. Yes, yes, very much. What was the sinister vibe you got off of it, though? Because you're right. I don't know if just from the first time I I heard it, I was like, there's something sort of queasy and gross about this. Like exactly that. Yeah. It was sort of not really dirty. Or, I, I don't find that really a sexy song at all. I find it no. just really like sort of like 4am in a club and you don't really know anyone. You actually feel a bit sick and like, but you still, I mean, you still sort of, in, it's a last moment of enjoyment sort of thing. Like I, it doesn't feel to me like an early night song somehow. Like oh, it feels yeah. like, which I love. I love that vibe so much because that's also hard to do, I think. That's really, really amazingly said. Um, I didn't even realize that I think I was like somewhere deep in my cognition linking that song with like weird memories of like being in like bathhouses in Portland and like Canada. And it's like 
2 a.m. and I'm alone in the hot tub and there's a pop song playing and you're like, what the hell do I do now? (laughs) (laughs) That's the vibe of it. That is the vibe, yeah. Yeah, and so I don't think people understand the the sinister element of that. But I am curious, you are Mm. very Australian. When did Mm -hmm. your relationship with Miss Minogue begin? Okay, so I was thinking about this earlier. So, I don't know if everyone knows the narrative of Kylie and Danny, Daniel. But <laughs> Danny was famous years before Kylie. Danny really? was always famous from Yeah, yeah. Danny was on a show called Young Talent Time, which was my favorite show when I was a kid. <laughs> every Saturday night. And so basically it was like a kids they would just do covers of pop songs every Saturday night. And and Danielle was on she was always known as Danielle Minogue. Um and then Kylie was on a show Neighbors. called The Henderson. Oh, before that, she was on a show that. called The Henderson Kids. So I would have been like six or seven. That's when I first knew of her. Um, so that would have been like 85, I think, 86, called The Henderson Kids. And she had red hair. And she was called Sha, I think. Her name. In <laughs> Neighbors, she was Charlene. But in that, I think she was also called Sha or like Sharon. or It was something like that. But she was very Australian at that point. But Danny was always the famous one. Danny was the famous one for years and years. And then Kylie, when Kylie got onto Neighbours, they were still sort of on par with each other, I think. The, oh, and Danny's sister they, is doing this. Yeah, yeah, it was exactly that. But then when the album, came, when the locomotion came out, then it all just shifted. Everyone's just like, oh my God, like she was just it. Everyone just loved her immediately. But also, she just got attacked mercilessly. Everyone just thought she was an idiot and a bimbo and, like, you know, one-hit wonder was gonna, never going to last for her and stuff. Wow. Um, and but did it's, you so love I was her obsessed. from the start? Oh, you were obsessed. I loved her. For, I loved her from the start. And so I had the Kylie, the, the album Kylie, I got for Christmas from my grandma, from my nana, like, um, so that would have been 80, what year is it, 88? Yeah, 88 Whenever or 89, The year it came out. I got it on cassette for Christmas. And I remember wow. I remember opening it under the tree. I remember listening to I remember the smell of that the um like the little fold out cardboard sleeve thing. Like <sighs> I just thought it was the coolest thing. Like I loved it so much. <laughs> and that was the first album I remember like I rem- also remember being really pissed off because um a couple of the versions of the songs on the album were different from the singles. That was the first time I ever realized like our singles are different, like they're remix. I never knew that. Like I was just like, this seems really wrong to me. It felt like I was being ripped off or something. Yeah. Um, I've had that experience with like Japanese music where I'm like trying to listen to an album all the way from front to back. And because they want to make more money, they sell a different version on the single. So you have to buy both. And so it ruins like album experiences like as late as like the late nineties in Japan. Cause I'm trying to listen to Amino Namie and they fuck up body feels exit with a weird Latin remix. That's fucked. That's just wrong. That's like, you know, um, um, I didn't realize for a long time, but a lot of people have only listened to Boys for Pele by Tori Amos with the, the Professional Widow remix on mm-hmm. it. Like, that was how the album was sold after that came out. I was like, this is, I can't even imagine that being the standard <laughs> version of that album. is so insane to me. Like, it's so nuts. It's kind of amazing actually well, it's, it's, so it's wrong, really like it. a token of another time because i really like this late 80s 90s like commercial pop music where no one has any qualms or expectations for the 
starlets at the center to have any emotional or like artistic depth and they are just like really truly like idols yes yeah completely devoid of any sort of humanity or any sort of personality any person could have sung any of those songs oh yeah but but it's sort of also like i think that was the genius of kylie is it it does perfectly work with her voice at the time like it, it her voice is made for music like this like not now so much because her voice has sort of changed quite a bit and she's done so many different things but like i think at this time it was just this perfect blend of like sort of just air like air and oh, nothing like but it, yeah, it you're works so, so well right air and nothing it's like <laughs> Like I said earlier, my friend Jack called it, like, Madonna Spider Baby, and this really does sound, like, almost exactly like, (laughs) like, the first self-titled Madonna album, like, six years late, basically. Yeah. But because it is, like, this sort of um, derivative musical style, and it's, like, kind Mm. of cheap production, and Mm -hmm. it's, like, her airy voice, it has, like, this beautiful glistening ephemeral quality where like you listen to the music you hear her voice and it just like feels like the wind blowing past you and it doesn't Mm. it doesn't hurt you it doesn't weigh you down it doesn't sag you can put on the kylie album front to back and it just like blows in your ears and it never offends you once yeah absolutely yeah yeah and you can you can listen you could probably listen to the same song like five times in a row and not even know it. Like, oh dear. Like, Do you know how many times I have listened to Turn It in a, Into Love like nine times consecutively? It's like... Wow. I get so sick in the head with some of these songs that I will like put them on a loop infinitely because they almost sound like uh, like a Nokia flip phone ringtone where it just is like generically yeah. pleasing and it doesn't have any conflict whatsoever. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> But it's genius. I used to love um when I was a kid I loved my favorite two were Genesis Papuqua and It's No Secret. <gasps> and I remember I remember I just played and rewind it, played them and rewind. I love those two so much. They felt you really did, like listen to her like voice like squabble backwards as you're like <laughs> furiously yeah, yeah. rewinding to hear her do it oh, again. Oh god, I love because I love because that was the thing too. The videos were such big deals at the time in Australia. Because I used to get these magazines called TV Hits magazine, which was like you know, it's like t- I guess in in America it's like Tiger Beat. No, it wouldn't be like Tiger. It, it wasn't only for, it was it was just famous singers and and would have free stickers or whatever. But um, and they would always talk about her next like the video coming out. And I remember when um, uh, Genesis Papukwai came out before that, and they were saying like, this is like an the 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 most innovative video in Australian history because half of it's in black and white and half it's in color. <laughs> like, <laughs> I remember being a kid, just being in awe of it, like, wow. Wow. Like, <laughs> because I remember... Was, have you seen that video? Yes, have I have. I watched all the videos like, from the Kylie oh, album because so I was good. so intrigued about what they could possibly be. And my impression, I'm like, they just got her out for, like, a weekend and, like, did some shots mm. outside, some shots on this, like, weird commercial soundstage, and then, like, made four music videos that are, like, all the same. <laughs> All exactly the same. They're the, like, no they're the exact same. Yeah. And there's no weight. She's like being like jokey and like in a bathrobe. And then she's like <laughs> winking at the camera, like going for a walk. Yeah, the tone of that's the thing. The tone of it is completely all over the place. Like, 
is parts where she's like really melancholic and sad, but then she's like literally playing to the camera, like like it's a like a, a high school graduation video or something. It's yeah, it's it's okay. And we had to talk about the cover of Kylie. Oh God. It is the hat. The it's hat with the hair. Spellbinding. It is horrifying. It's, so it's the best because I had a I've book. Seen. I had a I had a book of photos from that period, like that the the year that album came out. I had a book, like a not a book, like a like a. It wasn't a magazine. It was it was higher quality. Than it's like a photo magazine. book. Photo book, yeah. Yeah, of course. Like, oh God, sometimes with English, I just forget so much shit. You know, but, <laughs> no, yeah, no, that's like book. a Japanese word because I literally have my mic resting on a different idol's photo book at this very moment. So. Uh-huh. That makes sense. But yes, it's a photo book. And it was her, the cover of it was black and white, like black, but she was in like a sort of loose-fitting, hideous, like linen pajamas. Um, and she was sort of spread out in like sort of a yoga pose. And... But I was I still look at it every day after school, and then that was the book I cut up part of the book when I did because I did a project on Kylie Minogue in grade four. Of course, and, you did. Yeah, and that was part of the thing that I used. I just cut up. Oh, it wasn't a project. I just cut up pictures of her and like glued it on a green bit of cardboard and wrote. I copied the font from the cover of that book and wrote Kylie. Um, and and I did all the like the night before and the morning of, so it was still like wet with that disgusting eighties glue that I had. Like, um, <laughs> and I thought I was just the most clever, amazing thing. <laughs> you were, you <laughs> absolutely were. Like, yeah. You're just like, oh, this little, this, this little. Yeah, that was my queer... level of obsession. I just thought she was great. That's amazing. Okay, <laughs> little but that, freak. Like... And you, I, I. Mm, mm, mm. No, go ahead. You go. Uh, no, no, you go. I'm no, much no, no. more interested in your uh, experience I'll, with I'll this than mine. <laughs> no, because because it, it's more. Well, it's more. It's more about the next album because I was just going to talk about. Um, I went to. I forced my mom to take me to see the Delinquents. Have you ever seen the Delinquents? No. So she was in a movie, and like that's where Tear, Tears on My Pillow comes from. She was in a movie, like it's set in the 50s, and it's actually set in my home, like near my hometown. And one of my friends' mothers is in the movie. And I was so jealous and so obsessed. Like, I couldn't believe that someone... I, I couldn't believe that someone was in a movie. Um, there was a girl at my school called Jodie Layton who was in ads, and she was in. She was an extra. Linda Blair from The Exorcist made, like, a weird horror movie in the 80s in Australia. <laughs> and this girl was an extra in that movie. And I just thought she was famous. Like, I just, I just wanted to be around her and... and grasp onto her energy i couldn't believe that people could be in movies i have like but, been um, sitting here yeah, with like, a my hand to like clasp my face like just completely shocked about linda blair <laughs> australia kylie minogue overlap like this is like so spiritually overwhelming i can't compensate <laughs> i can't i can't put it all in one it was picture. a weird time that is shocking weird, honestly weird. yeah 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 so the delinquents is such like I I still love that movie. I haven't watched it for years, but I watched it. Um, like one of my trips home to Australia was on the airplane, and because because she she's topless in the movie, and that was <gasps> the that was the reason I really wanted oh, to see it. I was I'm so excited to see it right now. She got bleached hair. She, she looks so good in it. Wow. Okay, because on the cover of Kylie's self titled. In the hat. Mm. The hat is this big black brimmed creation with the top cut out. Mm -hmm. So it has her stringy ramen noodle hair spilling out. And Mm. she has this dead 
glassy look in her eyes and it just says totally did right kylie and it's such a confrontational image that i (laughs) would like to understand precisely what this means to my psyche Mm. because so much of this music has become like overlaid with my emotional experience of the last several months and then on mm-hmm. top of that is that big white cover and her big white face and those big glassy eyes, Kylie with the hat. <laughs> it's like it's like aggressive oh, and creepy, right? It's really creepy. And that's why, because, I, yeah, I was looking, like, earlier today I was looking at the cover. Like, I, I, that cover to me is so, it's just part of my psyche, basically. But I haven't actually looked at it for so long. <laughs> you can't was, look at it for too was- long or you'll turn to stone. <laughs> Totally. That's what I was looking at today. I was like, there's something really wrong about it. Like, yeah, her facial expression, like, she's so completely disassociated from anything. Like, (laughs) you know, it's wild, really, that that's the cover that they picked. And her shoulders are so tiny, and she's like, Mm. but her face is so big. It's so big, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. It's like her head is like, three quarters of the album it's like it's like black lodge laura palmer portrait honestly like this image could like stop the world and so i recreated next to laura oh my god yes if you put that next to the the laura palmer picture it's it's the same same pose it's the same picture and it's like like, i never thought of that how old was she when this album came out like what like early late teens early 20s i guess Oh, maybe not. No, maybe not. Maybe like 18, 19, maybe. Yeah, I think maybe. And I I know for a fact they made like I Should Be So Lucky in like 45 minutes, right? Like, Mm -mm. she was so unengaged and was just like this neighbor's, you know, tweeny bopper, Miley Cyrus, who just was like, time to do a pop album. Didn't think one thing about anything she was singing, just like arrived. But like, with that look on her face, it feels like prehistorical yeah yeah because even at the time even even as a kid it was chased like it wasn't even as a kid i knew that wasn't like a because you know yeah madonna was still like that was i think that's the same or no it's a little bit earlier than like a prayer maybe but it's around the era of like a prayer like and and even as a kid i was it felt so sort of like like a kindergarten teacher or something. There was no sex in it whatsoever with Kylie. Yeah, because like, like a prayer was albums. like the next year after Kylie came out, but like you could feel like the true blue and like Madonna's creative direction that she was like really manifesting as an artist. And then mm. you listen to something like Kylie, and there's like no hint of the artisanal touch, and it's all the better for it because. She is, like, this big, empty female vessel that is just generally good-hearted, sweet, Mm. compelling, friendly, um, a friend to gay people, and just totally empty in this, like, porcelain Australian doll. Yeah. And and see, that was was why when, like, in the late, or the the sort of mid, like, 95, 96, when she did the the Nick Cave duet and she did Impossible Princess. Because I went to the Impossible Princess tour and um, I was in, like, the third... I was so close to it. And because she was sort of out of favour then, basically. She... she, People were like, oh, my God, she's... What is she trying to do with this alternative shit? Like, she's not an alternative (laughs) artist and it's not even alternative stuff. Like, and I loved that period of her because it was so, like... All of her looks, all of the the 
the the choices in those videos and stuff was just so good in that period. But um, that that's why it had such an impact for someone that had grown up with her. It was yeah. like this is a, and, and also even like you know better the devil you know and stuff when she started making the really sick like shocked have you seen the shocked video like just so good like i mean there's that one cover of her with all the black eyes on the cover right yeah 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 that's um i think that's where uh better the devil you know i think but like the, the that those couple of videos like shocked in particular is just and no what do i have to do that's the one i love and that is such an inspiration for, like, for, for drag and stuff. Like, it's just so good. She just looks so good in it. Was there um, something like, but, interesting but was... like, about like, the Australian blonde female archetype, right? Like, I feel like there really must mm. be, because we have Margot Robbie. Like Olivia. Yeah, yeah, yeah Margot Robbie. Margot Olivia, Robbie. Yeah, we her. have like, Nicole Kidman, Naomi Watts. Mm-hmm. And they all kind of have like kind of similar faces. And Kylie is like a little they distant do, from actually, that, but yeah. she's, she's a little close. And it's like, there is some like vulnerable female element that i feel like is exposed in the australian blonde woman's face it's true and and the really the thing the interesting thing about that too is then you look at the kind of roles that those women do like and even you know they're doing a lot of mainstream stuff but nicole kuman and, and naomi watts in particular they've done some really fucked up dark weird like Dogville and stuff like that, like yeah. to die for, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, like and I both think of that, these women have been like publicly mm. raped in art films. Like Yeah, yeah. And it's, like, it's it's amazing that they subject themselves to that and do it willingly and without complaint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like that's the thing. I think Nicole Kidman gets a lot of shit, but I've got actually I've always had a ton of respect for I love her. Like she's had such a with going back and forth between like just sort of you know crappy big blockbusters but then doing three or four like just weird like that movie brought the stoker stoker Stoker? i was just thinking of that that weird uh, me too that's his best movie weird incest (laughs) like the school (laughs) shooter like americana disaster piece with nicole kidman chewing the scenery forever totally i watched that you know i watched that movie when when I won the when we won the trip to Paris to film the uh, when we made we made a commercial in Osaka and and that was the prize to go it wasn't specifically to Paris but Air Turkey would get to fly us anywhere in the world and we went and made this movie about like we made a short movie about lesbian time shifting witches amazing and on the la- <laughs> on the last day we were in an Airbnb and my friend had left and um and I think the thing had said we had to be out by 6 a.m. And I'm like, they're not going to throw us out at 6 a.m. And like <laughs> 6 a.m. on the dot, the door starts, the guy starts knocking on the door and I'm not packed up or anything. And I just start packing up all my shit and I've got this big suitcase and it was raining and Stoker was on at the movies. And I watched that movie with my suitcase in Paris, like on this raining one because I had nowhere to go. But it's such a, such a weird memory when I think about it now. That's beautiful. That's like the best setting to see it in. I watched it. Um, I torrented it, and then I watched it on my laptop in between classes in high school. <laughs> oh, that's really good too. Yeah, but no, like Nicole Kidman in that is like there is like some weird common thread between these like blonde female idols in Australia. Right. Yeah, facially they're very similar. Like Margot Robbie's the most sort of bombshelly. Right. Of them. Like Kylie can do like. 
Kylie can, I mean, she in this era, she is doing that sort of really glammed up. Yeah, like, but she dra- her boobs like, drag. aren't big enough. No, no, Kylie doesn't actually. Kylie is sexy. I think for for men, Kylie is sexy because she's little and petite, and and she's she's sexy. She's got a sexy little body, and she's, you know, but she's <laughs> she, it's a cute totally. Sex. Like it's not. There's nothing forbidden about anything that she's done. Like it, it's a really different energy than Madonna for sure. Like right, it's it, much. It's more never comforting in a strange way. Yeah, mm. even though like Padam Padam reaches like the scary like poppers layer, that's like not her fault or her imagery. It is like it's kind of like incidental. But when you mm-hmm. like look at something like this like first album, um, something you said earlier is like how literal it is. And I have ever since I've heard it, I've been so fucking refreshed because there's not a single image or metaphor on the entire record it's literally just her saying her feelings and then asking (laughs) about other people's feelings and then stating her feelings again i do not think there's a single metaphor on this album she just is literally like why don't you love me (laughs) and then it is yeah rain falling down another minute passes like yeah there's no sort of act imagery at all like it's just literally it's like just right there this is what is happening to me right now she's like um she's like tracy chapman she's like the tracy chapman of pop music yeah, of she, the 80s totally and you mentioned um it's no secret earlier and mm-hmm. i was so gagged <laughs> when i heard that for the first time because she goes you were it's cheating song. you were you cheating, were cheating. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it was like you can't just say that. You have to like put it like a like a fancy little ornament on it. But no, the writers are just gonna be like, no, you were cheating. <laughs> you were cheating on me. But the thing is, is that like that level of like b- like blunt force, emotional honesty with no decoration whatsoever makes it so riveting because it's mm-hmm. almost like scandalous and shocking to hear people just like emotionally demand and state things without any pretty little picture about it. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Like it's really like like it's something where like like a therapist or something would say to you like he was cheating. Are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> Like, <laughs> they're not lyrics like it's a kind of amazing you're right it's kind of amazing yeah it's like declarative the, sentences yeah yeah oh my it's like, god it's, it's like it's like a it's like a you know like a grade six group of kids writing a song that, that's what it is like yeah not knowing that there are metaphors and not knowing that there are way, other ways of you know you know fancy ways of, of expressing your emotion <laughs> which makes me feel like even more wild because turn it into love i swear to god mm. is like maybe the most important song of this year for me it is a song wow. about uh someone lightly rejecting you and you pleading mm. with them to open their heart and turn their sadness and past relationships and all of the horror from their previous existence and simply transform it into the beauty of loving someone else and encouraging them to try to open themselves up in that way, even though it may be difficult. And it's like, um, yeah, something a sixth grader would write, but at the same time, so profoundly metaphysical poetry that I, Mm -hmm. I would listen to the song and get like weepy, like smoking cigarettes, like the back alleys and like fucking guy in my, just like listening to this like seven times in a row. 
Um, I can see that because it's so rare. That quality is actually so rare. It's like so it doesn't. Ha- it happened in the sixties and fifties and stuff. Totally. But it didn't. It just skipped generations, and then even in the eighties, it wasn't. You know, that wasn't a typical way to write music. Like stock Aiken and Waterman, because it's sort of ABBA. ABBA has that same thing, right? Oh, ABBA absolutely. has that same thing of just literal, like, but it it gets in your guts and it rips you apart because it's so beautiful and so like, you know it's just the the bare minimum of what a human emotion is basically but but it's so universal that everyone knows exactly what's going on and that's basically impossible to do if you're if you're trying to do that it doesn't work but i think because it's sort of naive it's the same it is the same sort of stuff as as um early bjork stuff too i think like mm. debut and post some of the lyrics on those it there there's there's all this sort of metaphorical sort of fantasy stuff going on, but some of it is just literally like the most simple, primitive, beautiful stuff. And wow. it's so primal in a way. Yeah. And that's it what is this primal. is in a strange way. Mm. Okay. I'm curious, correct me mm. if I'm wrong about this, but like, I feel like the, mm. the idea of cringe of like people like being too cliche or like too faux pas, like, that has existed a little bit, but it wasn't like literalized so much until very recently. And I think mm-hmm. that's a great curse of society is like to be so self-conscious as to like avoid cringe because this album doesn't at all, like at all, mm. at all. No, <laughs> like, it embraces it. It embraces it. And like, because it, it does that, like this is a record that I can like hold in my arms and like cry with <laughs> like tears on oh, my that's pillow. So nice. I don't. I I feel oh my God. Su- I feel like sick and twisted for like being like, oh my God, like this like twenty year old Australian blonde girl is like me, but it's like I can't help myself. But you know, like even the later, like even like um, I believe in you. I believe in you is similar, right? I believe yeah. in you is a really simple, beautiful love song, and but it's it's more than that. Like it's sort of something really universal and really like. It, it's sort of the heart of humanity almost. And I remember when that song came out, I was shocked at the lyrics. I was like, this is so simplistic. Like this is sort of, I can't, I almost couldn't believe what I was hearing. And I was with, I was with like one of my, like my, basically my longest term boyfriend at the time. And he loved Kylie and I love Kylie. And I just remember we just, I burst into tears and then he burst into tears because it felt so overwhelming. Like, this is actually just ref- a reflection of how I feel about <sighs> the world, basically, in some <sighs> strange way. Be- because you, I just, you, I'd never heard it so, you know, it was just so obvious. Like the idea that someone had sat down and written these lyrics seemed absolutely ridiculous to me <laughs> because it seemed so, it just seemed so dumb. But it, that's why it worked. That's why it was so beautiful and powerful to me. Wow. Oh my god. Like I wish that one time in my life I could play like one of her truest love songs and like get someone to like weep with me about it because I've it's been um mutually unexclusive. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> because I've been like alone listening to these songs and like rattling and vibrating in public because they like slash me so hard. Um <laughs> I remember one time in particular 
Um, it was the night mm. that I spoke to you about on the paid episode when I was going to make my big love confession, and I remember mm-hmm. to like get a, like to like give myself like a little boost. I listened to the Getting Closer extended Oz mix, which is like this <gasps> dark, riveting pop song about being uncertain about how someone feels about you, but you can feel mm. one small spark, and you're going to latch onto that for everything, and that. Oh. I don't want to be in my 20s anymore. I don't want to feel these things anymore. No, no. And you know the thing, though? It is, like, uh, when I think back, because that's the thing, that my 20s and into my, like, early 30s, like, it was just, I was just, like, a, it was like a snail without a shell on, almost. Like, I was just oh, so yeah. raw and so, it was that feeling <laughs> so of everything was injured. so much. Yes, yeah, so easily injured and so at the same time so easily like overwhelmed with beauty of things and, <gasps> and, and things that people oh. didn't even notice sort of thing. Oh God, you know, like, you're so literally this, talking about me right now. You, you're <laughs> but me. it's, it's a really, it's a really beautiful thing to have. Like I still, I, that's the thing. I feel really lucky because I don't, I don't have the rawness anymore. I'm much mm-hmm. more, I'm much, I, I've had so much stuff happen that it's, it just sort of at a certain point you that rawness doesn't i mean it exists to some extent but nowhere near what it used to be but the beauty part of it like the ability to find beauty in almost anything is still i i have that every day basically and i feel really that's a real lucky thing because i don't think a lot of people because because sometimes when i'm taking photos of things or videos or and it's just too beautiful. I have to, I, I need it. I just, I don't care what happens with the photo or anything, but I need it just for my own, like for my veins or so. I don't know why I need it, but I just need it. And I, and sometimes people just can't work out like, why, why did you just stop walking when we're walk, all walking together and like take a photo of like, I don't know, some, some window with like a, a, a dirty little clown figure from the sixties in it. And, and like, because it's like the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Like, and and i think with this like it sounds like with this album what you're going through that's exactly what that is like it's like a perfect match of oh like, my god you're gonna bring me to i'm like i'm like fighting back tears like <laughs> i just it's so rare to like have like that i don't know anyone really around me that much that can like feel that moved by the the dirty clown figure in the window but it's like <laughs> This album is the dirty clown figure in the window. And I really, <laughs> it is. Highly <laughs> is the dirty clown figure on the cover. <laughs> oh god, I think that really worked me up because, yeah, I am like the fucking snail of the shell. I'm like so raw. Everything is so painful, and it just it gives mm. me so much hope to hear that you know now you got the the shell on, but you can still see the beauty because I don't want to lose that. And I love like being vulnerable no, to like no. my deep feelings and everything, but it, it's really, it's, really it's a painful. really important thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, so, I totally understand it. Mm. Oh, and it's just fucking Kylie in that f- stupid ass hat.
the way, I wanted to mention this. I did a drag mania show. And it was right mm. when Padam Padam was really blowing up. And so I said, mm-hmm. okay, I need to do something accessible. So I'll do a Kylie medley. And I made mm. her hat. I made her little hat. <gasps> I made it with oh brown my hair. Oh god, I didn't see a photo of this. No one got it at all. I did the oh. I did the locomotion. Oh. I did can't get you out of my head. Um, I did Padam Padam and <laughs> and no one knew what I was doing and it was really deeply depressing. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. I would love that. I wish I'd seen that. That would have made me so happy. Oh, it, I, it made me happy in my soul, but then I like looked at the silent faces of like like <laughs> fifteen Japanese knew. straight people who were like showed up to this drag race viewing and was like, oh no. <laughs> Oh, this was a mistake. I was like, oh, I just, sh- I, oh, I don't know what I should have. Sh- Selena Gomez. I, think I, do- I don't know what to do. Oh, yeah, but you man. do. When you flop a show like that, you do know immediately. Like the second that you, it starts, right. yeah, you, you feel know. it right away. Yeah, you, you, there's no going back and there's no question of like... <laughs> and then it's honestly I've one done of that the most... Before and then it's you're sort horrific. Of, it's so, it's so oh, scary. It's awful because you've got to keep going. You have no choice in it, right? You can't <laughs> just, like you can't just leave. It's like, <laughs> oops, no. I committed to something that was like too highbrow or like somehow I just completely missed the mark and now I'm stuck doing this in a fucking wig and makeup for like three to four minutes. I, You know, the last time I felt that was... um when I did the shags at, um, at Metro, you were there, you know, the night we took all those really cool photos on the road. Yeah. With, yeah. Yeah. Um, like with you in the tree and stuff. And I started with a little, <laughs> I had like a fake guitar and I did the philosophy of the world by the shags. And I went into like, I went into like this, uh, it was like a Fiona Apple and Carly Rae Jepsen mashup thing. Um, so I knew that was coming, but when I first started, I was like, ah, uh, in my head, I was like, ah, oh, fuck, I'm an idiot for doing this. Like, <laughs> Like, who would even be interested in this at the best of times, let alone at Metro? Like, but I, I was also happy I did it because I always wanted to do it. But, like, I knew within the seconds I was like, oh, this is a really dumb thing I've just done. Like, this. But yeah. I, I'm happy I did it. But, yeah, you just know. It's that, a very that's unique a, that's a thing that feeling. only drag queens experience because, like, the idea of like, doing a musical song it's really hard to end up performing in front of a group that doesn't get it at least even a bit, but drag, especially Uh when you're a little out there, it's very easy to Mm. accidentally blow up in the wrong direction. (laughs) (laughs) Very easily. It's a very fine line. (laughs) Oh dear. It's such a fine line. Right. Right. Oh my God. And that's the thing, because you're you you've like you've chosen how you look, and so you can't change that in the instant, right? You're you're literally stuck in hell, like <laughs> oh until you get through the end of the number. Oh my it's god! Awful. I really have a lot of respect for Kylie because, like you said, they all shit mm. the fuck on her. They hated her, mm-hmm. and I watched like these interviews mm. of people just like dragging her and like asking her about like if she thinks she's gonna be relevant. And she is just the ever-smiling, lovely gal. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And and she... That's I, that's the thing. I have absolute respect for her. I, I really genuinely love her as an energy in the world. Like, I feel like... What... I mean... She obviously... She had, she had breast cancer and all that sort of stuff. That's one side of it. But also just the fact that she's survived and still 
has inspiration to do stuff and still, I mean, she's collaborated with so many incredible people, like, mm-hmm. um, particularly like photographers and all that sort of stuff. And the, a lot of the music videos she's done and stuff like, I, I just, I think it's a really rare quality to, to have kept up, up this momentum because she's had so many albums that just didn't go anywhere. Like, Basically, until this most recent one, most of her stuff was sort of... I, I love a lot of those... At least I love aspects of a lot of those albums. Yeah, but, totally. But, um, but, like, you know, they didn't really... They went, you know, maybe in the UK and Australia, they were pretty popular, but they weren't massive, massive hits anywhere, I don't think, apart from the singles. But the um, but just the fact that she, she sort of has kept going and tried to do different things, and but she's still got this quintessential quality of who she is like she's never really completely you know there's always an aspect of who she is in every single thing that she's done from the very beginning to now like and i think that's a really amazing thing somehow yeah no because it's like she kind of has like the japanese workhorse ethic about her where she understands that it's like not always going to work but she's always going to keep doing it and on top of that you can just tell that she loves her job yes absolutely yeah yeah you can see that that's the thing you can see the joy in her performances yeah like you can see that you can she's see that actually she just like enjoying this moment in her eye and like especially with mm. this like most recent album cycle when it's like her talking about how grateful it, she is that like padam padam like broke out a little bit she looks mm. genuinely ecstatic about it and it's like so rare yeah. to like see a pop star like just expressive of pure happiness. It really is. Yeah, like a, it's it like is. an angelic force in the world. It is. It is. And it's, I think it's a, a thing to, I, I think it's a genuine, like, I don't think there's any artifice in that. Like, I think she's genuinely really grateful and genuinely really shocked that it's become this viral. Like, and that's really beautiful to see. I think somehow, like there's no real sort of, I, I think with her, she's got this whole thing of like, she's kept so much of her life private like right you know she's 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 really ridden that line very well i think because she doesn't really give anything of herself in interviews about her actual thoughts or feelings or anything really but she's still charming enough because olivia newton john had the exact same quality it was it's exact it's it might be a very specifically australian thing i i don't know but um it's a different thing than like who like Cher? Cher has a totally different vibe of like, I'm only going to give you this much of myself. I'm still going to be funny and whatever, but it's not that. It's like a, it's like, I, I don't know how to explain, but but it's like, yeah, she's she's kept so much of herself to herself, but it doesn't feel like she's inaccessible somehow. Like yeah, it doesn't feel like. I feel like mm. in comparison to Cher, her public image is so much less harsh, especially like in her later years. It's like mm. she is like a friendly and positive being and like yeah um i watched that i think what 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 what's that british show graham norton a uh, graham norton yeah when, when they get drunk on it right or is yeah, that alan yeah, carr yeah. i always mix the two up oh no alan carr's chatty man okay graham, alan carr is the one yeah. where they get drunk yeah 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 so she got drunk on that show and like you can still see her like fighting for her life to like remain professional and it's just this like her being this like cute little like ditz like smiling and like being like, oh, oh I love my song and I'm just like, <laughs> and I just I want everyone to be like cuz okay the bimbo thing that's mm. been kind of like turned into like a 
like some like weird internet personality of like the over stylized like Y2K bimbo thing that like disgusts mm-hmm. me. Like the true bimbo is Kylie Minogue. It's like with dignity, blonde hair, little boobs, tiny body, and a whole lot of nerve. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. It's right. It's like very Barbie, right? It's it's that thing totally. of like. Yeah, that's never occurred to me. Yeah, yeah. I think that's exactly exactly right. It's like yeah, it's like the 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 like yeah, like a beautiful version of what a cuz I think that bimbo like who's like I'm trying to think there have been like like Anna Nicole Smith was such a charming bimbo. Like oh, absolutely. That was like a per, you know, the perfect one sort of thing. Um but yeah, Kylie's definitely knows exactly what she's doing, but I think she's still um, yeah, she's maintained so much of, of her own dignity, I guess, which is a rare quality, I well, think. Well, I mean, the fact the, that the she didn't off. grovel for public attention during her breast cancer is amazing. The mm. only one who was doing that was Danny. Right, yes. Because <laughs> that was how true. I was first yeah. exposed to her. It was, like, her doing interviews about her sister's breast cancer. And I remember, like, watching that being like why are you talking about this like <laughs> about Kylie I was like if we were in America it would obviously be her so <laughs> I was like very intrigued well, by that th- that's the thing with Danny Danny's always been the messy one like so Danny was on so so Kylie was on Neighbors and Danny was on there's a show called Home and Away so every every single famous actor from Australia has been on one of those two shows they're the two rival soaps right so on on Home and Away, Danny was like the bad girl. Like she had dyed black hair. Like she was sort of like Amy Winehouse almost. She had like a big buffon, like black hair. She used to wear leather jackets and stuff. And so Danny sort of after Young Talent Time, she became sort of almost like the bad girl for a while. And that was always the comparison. So so Danny's always been the messy sort of like I find Danny so entertaining. I find Danny almost more intriguing somehow because she's she had that one like, album that my friend Jack also said is like, he, he said that, you know, Kylie is like Madonna spider baby, but like that album mm. is like Madonna abortion. <laughs> That's a, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever listened to a full Danny. I know, I know Danny Minogue songs, but I don't think I've ever heard a full album. Of yeah. Like my, my whole image of her it. just from like being, you know, unexposed. I'm just, it's like, Oh, it's like the F-list celebrity that they trot out to talk about Kylie's breast cancer and they need a news <laughs> Kind <bit>. of. Kind <laughs> of. But yeah, Danny, Danny's... I, I find Danny very entertaining. I, I, I love her. And you know, she had a whole thing with Sharon Osbourne hates her and it's kind of amazing. I don't know why I think Sharon Osbourne's a cunt, but I just don't... I, I, just, oh, I can't... I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't vibe with her energy... Did you ever see when Kelly Osbourne did Papa Don't Preach? At the end, it was like... A, no, a, I did so, just gasp, though. Did that it's happen? so... Yes, it's so good. It's so bad. Like, it's... Like, she's in, like, sort of disgusting, like, checked culottes and, like, um, little little flat vans, and she runs down this set of stairs, really. It's just really manic and wrong, but it's actually really... At the same time, it's such an era. Like, it's such a... If you see it for two seconds, you're like, oh, my God, I remember this whole... It's a very sort of scene kid, that sort of thing. Like, it's so gross. (laughs) But I kind of love it at the same time. Yeah, because they were so maladapted to uh, society. It's it's funny because, like, the Osborne reality show is, like, basically, like, what helped form everything we know of pop culture today. 
Um, mm. But nonetheless, they failed, all of them failed to adapt to the contemporary climate. I always think about the Osborne daughter, what's her name? Is it Kelly? Kelly, Kelly, yeah. Yeah. It's her on The View when she's like, well, who's going to be cleaning <gasps> your toilets, Donald Trump? I'm waiting for the, waiting for the applause. Yeah, and, and that she, little face she makes when she's waiting for the applause. That, I love that moment. Oh, me, it's so too, good. Me too. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about Enjoy Yourself mm. before we get too carried okay. away. Um, this is also an album with a white cover and a stupid hat. <laughs> <laughs> it's such an ugly cover. Like, even the color of it is really gross to me somehow. There's something, because, like, the yellow of her blonde hair and the glimmering, fat, droopy sequin hat is, like, bleeding it's... onto the white background, so it looks sloppy and pee-pee. It's disgusting. But the music... I th- it's like, it's a little bit more polished and a, the slightest bit more contemporary than the first album, and yet the lyrical style hasn't changed at all. So now the music is even catchier, and the out-of-place mm. emotional honesty is somehow even more off-putting than before. That's very true. Like, it's funny, actually, I don't think I ever owned this album. I knew the, I knew the singles off it, but... um. I don't remember ever owning this one, but I, I like I you know I saw it everywhere. I remember it from the time. Yeah, um, for me the songs that stand out on this a lot are "Hand on Your Heart." Uh-huh. Uh huh. Because "Hand on Your Heart" was the first the first single I ever bought with my own money. Really? Yes. Mm-hmm. This song is. I just... bought it on it like I bought a seven inch single of it. Oh, you you got it on vinyl on vinyl Do you st- I, and I, it was wow. the end of vinyl it was the end of that first era of vinyl because I remember I remember them saying to me at the shop like oh you, you know we're not going to have we're not going to you're not going to be able to buy records and I don't even know why I bought on vinyl because I, I think we had a record player but I couldn't play it in my room or anything I think I just wanted it on vinyl but I, ha- I bought that and I bought especially for you her and Jason Donovan which wow. I guess is around that same period mm. Uh, the Hand on Your Heart's a really good song. It's mm. really good. It's, once again, really simple, but uh, just telling your lover that you can't possibly believe that they're breaking up with you, so you're making them put their hand on their heart and telling you and looking <laughs> you in the face that they yeah. want to break up with you, which I did yeah. about three weeks ago, <laughs> so I get it. You understand, yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that people experience pop songs in real life. I thought it was like mm-hmm. all like straight people fantasy, and I always, like, used to, like, make fun of heterosexuals for, like, getting, Same. like, these, like, Cinderella it, Disney things. And I used to be like, oh, those yes. cute straight people. And then it happens to you. And then you realize, I I had that exact, when I really fell in love for the first time, mm-hmm. that was what happened. I was like, oh, my God, all of this bullshit is actually true. Like, all yeah. these cliches and all <laughs> of this nonsense. I never, it never occurred to me that it could be real. Like, no, it never, I just I ne- it never occurred to me. I thought everyone was stupid. I was just like, yeah. oh, everyone is, like, dumb as fuck. And, like, they're just, yeah. like, they all write little cliches and are, like, lying about their feelings and don't. And then, oh, oh, no, it was all real all along. <laughs> yeah. And actually, it's really this simple. Like, this is actually what, you know, what the 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 easiest part and the the most joyous part of life actually is like the simplest thing you could possibly imagine but also incredibly rare and hard to attain so totally but that's what all these songs are about like 
Yeah, I remember that. I I remember the actual moment. I I remember being on a, pla- a train platform, and I remember I realized I was singing to myself. I was singing. Um, what song is that? Ah, uh, it's um. Do you know Hysteric by the Yeah Yeah Yeahs? Yeah, I do. Hysteric, like that song to me. That was the first time I was like, oh wow, like this is like, and like I actually get what this song is actually sort of saying now and then every crappy like not like not song like that like a song like 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 a Kylie Minogue song it would hit me really profoundly of like or the Beatles or a- anything like I was like oh my god this is what this is all about like it's so weird when I think about it it wow this is the only time I've ever heard anyone else express this feeling and that has happened now three times on this single episode <laughs> oh funny um, okay, what else? Okay, this, I, this album is, like, really about, like, uh, my entire breakup. This album just, um, was written in the past about my future. Uh, never too late. Uh, just imagine no matter what happens, uh, you're still gonna work out. Um, <laughs> I listened to Nothing to Lose on the night in which mm-hmm. I marched to my death. <laughs> when I knew oh, that it was gonna fuck. blow up and I was like, I've got nothing to lose. Everything <laughs> to gain and nothing to lose. <laughs> It's so humiliating wow, it's that like I, mo- I'm a straight person in the fucking sequin hat. <laughs> <laughs> With the mousy hair. <laughs> With the mousy fucking hair and the dumb look on my face. <laughs> I'm, I'm see, She's sort of evolving. Even with this, she's evolving with the... Like, she looks more human in this than the first one somehow. Yeah, like, she, she looks, she looks less... less like she's made out of melting plastic on a dashboard of a Toyota yeah. in the midsummer. But she still looks like she's on, like, lithium or something. Like, there's something off, definitely, with her face, I think. What do you think about Enjoy Yourself, the uh, the title track? I like Enjoy Yourself as an ending track. I think it's quite good. I think it's amazing, because all of her mm. music is, like, so based around uh, these conflicts and small Shakespearean dramas that she feels in the presence of a lover. And then this song is just about having fun for like the first time ever. Yeah, it's hedonistic, right? Yeah, finally she's free. And you know, that's probably, that's sort of interesting because that's the last song and then the next album is when she sort of breaks out a bit and and sort of starts making more adult content with the videos and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Like, so maybe that was her genius all along maybe she had this all planned of like i'm gonna i'm gonna give you hints of how of what the future is gonna be perhaps wow i don't i highly doubt it i, I highly doubt I it but you know what it. this is why queer theory is great is because everything can be considered post-text and made into the narrative you want it to be <laughs> yes yes exactly and written about for four chapters yeah, and recorded about for two hours on an obscure podcast. So now everyone knows the <laughs> truth about what was going on in that song on the album. <laughs> All those years ago. All those years ago. Now but You know what? The one song on this that really um I had never like I knew it was a single in Australia, but I'd never really been into it and stuff. Uh-huh. And um I found like I used to, when I first came to Japan, I lived in this little town and we lived it was like the sort of ideal Ghibli fantasy of like, like you walked out of the station. This is the first 
thing literally I saw in Japan when I arrived at my house, like when we arrived at the first thing. Like you walked out of the station, it was like a long, long street with like a supermarket and a few different things. At the end of the street was a little tiny hill with a castle on top and it was all covered in um, sakura. Like it was, it was cherry blossom season. Wow. And, and you walked past these little temples and stuff and I couldn't, I, I just couldn't believe that's where I was living. And, and, um, and, and we used to walk down to the station and take like a monorail to, it was like living in Legoland. It was <laughs> when I think now it's just insane that that's what the, my first two or three years here was. But anyway, I used to have, um, I, so I came with my friend from, uh, like we'd known each other basically since I was in primary school and we went to high school together and, um, I used to be off Monday, Tuesday, and she was off like Sunday, Monday. So I always had Tuesday by myself. Oh, no, I, no, sorry. I was off Sunday, Sunday, Monday. She was off Saturday, Sunday. So I had Monday off by myself. But anyway, on Monday, I just sort of, I would, I would sometimes meet friends, but I used to just wander around and stuff. But I found this massive like secondhand it's just like a secondhand store, but it had all sorts of stuff. And it, one day I was in that secondhand store and they had Kylie, I think it's called Enjoy 25 or something, but it's like her greatest hits. And um, I don't know why I got this overwhelming thing of like, oh, I need to, to buy this album. And I, because I was like, I don't think I had iTunes or anything. Like, I, I don't think, I think I still had all CDs. I don't even remember, but. I think I must have had a bunch of CDs. But anyway, on that album is Wouldn't Change a Thing. And I'd oh, never really listened oh to that song. Oh, my God. And ah, I love it so much. So I think good. that's such a good song. It's so good. It's so well written as a pop song. Like, even the melody and the, you know, there's some, and there's something really beautiful about the sentiment of it, too, like of sort of not regretting things that have happened in your life and, um, so anytime I hear that song, it reminds me of that time in Japan, like of, of, of sort of being by myself and in my apartment. But listen, I remember really distinctly listening to that album on like a Monday afternoon and being sort of a bit lonely and a bit sort of homesick maybe, but also just so excited. And like, but that song was the first time I was like, this is actually a really beautiful song. Like this is so well written as a pop song somehow. Oh, wow. It- that really struck a chord with me because it's like when you're out here by yourself and you have to rely on your music to like kind of like keep you company or like to frame things emotionally for you like it really makes a deep groove in the surface of your soul and like i know for a fact that these two kylie albums it's like whenever i will hear any of these songs in the future again it just is going to be like i'm going to be able to touch all of those things and you know what I wouldn't change a thing. It's hard to come to right. that conclusion, and it like takes time when you're experiencing like deep grief and pain. But it's like mm. the extremity of emotion, the beauty and like strangeness of where you are, and then relating it to like some off the like, kilter pop song is like truly what a touching experience. Yeah, wow. absolutely. Well, yeah, like if you if you listen to these albums in like a year or two years, it's going to be like, wow, fuck, oh. that's what I was going through with these songs. No, you're right. <laughs> and I, how beautiful it is that you're past, you know. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh. I hope everyone can like learn to feel this way about music and like, incorporate it into their life more. But it is an acquired talent. It is. Like, that's the thing. I think music is just 
for me, like movies and music are sort of on par, but music is so important. Like I can't, that's why so many times when I go out to like clubs and stuff, I just feel I can enjoy it and I'm with my friends and I enjoy it or whatever. But if the music is shit or, or not, you know, if there's just nothing there within the music, I just, I, I literally, as hard as I try, that's always at the back of my head of like, if they just played one song that I love, if they just played something good, like for five minutes, that's all I would need. Because it's just generic sort of nonsense for hours and hours. I, I can't, I just mentally focus on it somehow. Like, that's why I often go outside at clubs. Like, I love that moment of walking under the... I sit there all the time, walk onto the street and start listening to something on my... You know, it used to be my, like, Discman, but now it's, like, my phone. Like, and there's something really beautiful in that. Or, or sometimes even in, the in like, bars and clubs, sitting by myself and listening to, like, Song to the Siren or something and being like, this is actually really beautiful to me. I'm in my own little world and I have this connection with this song that I love and that's enough for me to sort of satiate me for you know 20 minutes or something wow I mean I was gonna ask you this question but you basically answered Mm. it already and um kind of the theme of the of the podcast this season is that uh you know I'm looking at this uh pretty bleak and challenging emotional and social state that we're trying to struggle through and looking for a reason to keep fighting to survive. And I was going to ask you, you know, what about Kylie mm. contributes to your own philosophy for that? But I mean, I can, I can already hear your answer there. Mm. Yeah. Like I think, I don't know. Like I think there's a real, you know, one, I think one thing too, that I, I didn't realize until maybe, maybe like, I'd been in Japan for like eight or nine years. It had never occurred to me that I was Australian and that I, that was a big part of who I mentally was, I guess. Like, obviously I knew I was Australian. I was happy to be Australian. I love, you know, a lot of aspects of Australia. Lots of things I don't like, but um, like I realized being here, like how rarely I heard things from Australia or saw things from Australia or, And when I did, it would hit me so hard. If I was in a shop and they played like, you know, stuff that means nothing like Crowded House or like old, old Australian music that I used to make fun of. And I would be like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever, this is the most amazing thing I've ever, because it was all this history, like, you know, latched up in that. And so when Kylie became famous with Can't Get You Out of My Head, it was real. It actually was a really nice thing for me to have one thing to latch onto, and, and in clubs and stuff, like if they played one Kylie song, it was sort of like a big. It was like being hugged or something. It was like such a nice sort of connection I to my that. past in some strange way. Yeah, and and so and so and also as you were saying earlier, with her, sort of that vacuum, not vacuous, but sort of very. A very safe way of presenting herself to the world. It's the same exact energy as like Dolly Parton or like mm-hmm. Olivia Newton-John or whatever. But there's something really, or, or like um, Betty White. Betty White had that aspect to her too. Like just this safeness. There's a real safeness in Kylie, I think for me, like a real sort of, a real anchoring of like, you know, this is, this is something that is constant has been constant in my life since I was a little kid. And it's, 
it's really nice to know that that sort of hasn't changed for all these years. Like, because it's such a rare thing. I, I have very few, you know, there are people like that that I grew up with that I love, like, like I love always, I've always loved Jennifer Connelly and I've always loved Chloe Savigny and I've always loved different, Sissy Spacek, for example. But I think with Kylie, it's a real genuine constant force in the world of like, I know she's always going to have another album. And I, I mean, it's not like I, <laughs> yeah, I don't listen to Kylie Minogue all the time, but it's, but it's something there that I feel like, and also the decency of being a decent person, I think is the biggest thing. Like, I feel like in the in the world as we live now, like it's very rare to to actually. It's so moving when you have just really decent, simple conversations with people, or simple, just simple people care. People show that they care in a really, in a really very, like genuine way. And mm. I think that's what I love about her, and that, that's what I. I, I think mentally that's something I really connect to with her and aspire to, I guess. Well, that's something I really loved about our conversation tonight, too. This has been one of my favorite episodes I've ever recorded. It was, like, truly oh. cathartic and explosive to do. I love you. I'm obsessed with you. Um, and you, too. I'm, I'm so happy we met. Me, I, too. I really, oh, my God. It's so good that we met. Mm. <laughs> and it's just the beginning, you know. Kore kara ne. Um, on that note those who don't fight Mm. oh can i just say one thing before i go Go do it um just about kylie anybody who has never heard or there's a movie called jack and diane um which is like a a lesbian teenage lesbian werewolf movie and kylie's (laughs) in it and it it's so good it is so good but kylie has a song on that album with the band Mum from Iceland. And it is honestly one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard. It's called Whistle. If you've never heard the song, look up Whistle, Kylie Minogue and Mum. And it is the most beautiful thing. Like, I highly, highly recommend it. On a, especially on a rainy night or something. It's just so nice. But yes, that, okay, that's I what I Okay, I just put this on my, my watch list on Letterboxd, too. So I'll be checking out very shortly. But yes, on I that note. I think you'll like that movie. Yes, yes, yes. I'm so happy. Thank you so much for asking me to do this. I love this. My pleasure. So, those who don't fight won't survive. Support the continuation of your favorite online act of experimental audio exhibitionism, please pledge $5 a month to patreon.com slash I'm so popular. For your support, you'll be rewarded with secret episodes of the mysterious continuation Sirens, as well as exclusive episodes of I'm so popular, including last week's discussion on Utada Hikaru's Bad Mode. And if that's still not enough, you'll also find access to the I'm So Popular Discord server, along with official membership to Chi-Chi's Book Club. Thanks for listening. Ja, mata ne. Last night, I fell asleep, made up my mind, what I would say to you.